Anyway, so um, I want to preach tonight, I don't know if you can put the title slide up, Copano, please, um, about this title that's up there, Church Hurts. But before I do, uh, I just want to make two disclaimers quickly before I start preaching tonight. So firstly, I want to say friends and families that are here, I really appreciate it. We appreciate all of you being here. This has absolutely nothing to do with you. I planned to preach about this two months ago already and uh, plan to preach it today. So it just sort of happened to, happened to be like that. Second disclaimer, uh, I probably had three coffees on Friday with people who, who have a bit of church and are going through difficult things in the church. This sermon was prepped before my coffee's with you, I promise, okay? It had nothing to do with that. So just wanted to make that clear. It's, uh, it's, it's been a, a while that this is a topic that's been on my heart and something that I've wanted to speak about. And so I'm going to go ahead and do it, and I'm not going to try and walk on eggshells. I'm going to believe that it was God that gave it to me to speak, to speak about tonight, and we are going to go for it. So I'm going to pray, all right? Let's pray. Now, Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to gather as your church tonight. And Lord, as we come to church, we want to say that we ultimately gather for you and for your sake and to come closer to you. But thank you that you've placed us together and that you've created the church to be something beautiful uh, that would pull us closer to you and into more intimacy with you. And so tonight, as we come, this afternoon as we come, I pray that you would speak beyond my words, that you would speak and that you would come and change all of our lives. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. So quickly, a little bit about myself. Uh, some of you would know this, some of you won't. I know there's a couple of new people here. But I always tease and say, when I was unsaved, I was severely unsaved. I didn't do it halfway. Um, when, I, when I did it, I did it well. And I, I lived in the world completely. Um, because it's, it, it was sort of, I wasn't a sort of Christian and sort of bad. I was just sort of living full out for the world. And a lot of that actually had to do with the fact that my friends were those who lived in the world and who, who had a sense of brokenness in them. And because I spent time with them, some of their brokenness, in a sense, in some weird, strange way, transferred into my life. So a little bit about my friends. My best friend when I was in Standard 9, grade 11, he got addicted to crystal meth the year that, that I got saved, actually. He failed his grade 11 year. I got saved in March that year. And he didn't make it. Some of my other friends have unfortunately passed away. Some of their family members have committed suicide. And most of them are not in good spaces in their lives. So that was the friendship group that I came out of. And because of that friendship group, because of the influence that they had on me, now, just to say, I did choose their influence. It wasn't like it happened accidentally. But because of their influence on me, it, it, their brokenness, in a sense, created brokenness in me. So who of you have ever heard this saying, Broken people, no, 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 hurt people, hurt people. That's exactly what happened. I was friends with a bunch of hurting people through various reasons, things that happened in their lives, and it manifested in different ways. And their hurt actually created hurt in me, and it pulled me down with them. And tonight, I want to start with the premise that just as friendships can do that, and just as people can do that, did you know that church can do exactly the same thing? It's like a friendship group. And some of you sitting here have been in broken churches. You've been in hurting churches. You've been in, in churches where there's been hurting leadership and where difficult things have gone down. And what I want to say is, the, the premise that I want to start with is, hurting churches actually hurt Christians. And if a church is not healthy, then what you are going to experience is what, exactly what's on that title slide tonight. You are going to experience a measure of hurt, a measure of the brokenness of the church coming upon you. Now, 
some of you think, how can a church be broken? Why is it like that? And I, I just want to share a couple of, um, uh, a bit of theology with you to say that actually the Bible teaches us that not every church is a healthy church. It's like not every person is healthy. Some of us eat way too, too much McDonald's. Actually, two weeks ago after the, after this, um, the, the evening service, I snuck into McDonald's quickly and I found Andrew Selly there, so <laughs> justified, <laughs> justified. But not all of us are healthy and also not all groups of people are healthy and in the same way, not all churches are healthy. We see that it's a scriptural thing that we find in uh, Revelation 3 verse 20, there's this popular scripture that many of you would have heard that says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come in and I will be with you. Ever heard that scripture? Now, did you know that scripture was not mentioned to an individual? It was mentioned to a church. How unhealthy is that? Imagine that you are a church. You call yourself a church. But Jesus says, I'm standing on the outside. Please let me into your church. That's sad, actually, and it's quite scary. So you get unhealthy churches, hurting churches. In Revelation 2 verse 5, we read of another church that Jesus addresses, and he says, if you are not careful, if you don't repent of the things that you're doing, I'm going to come at some stage, and I will remove my lampstand from you. That's a stark warning. That's not leave a leave Jesus. That's Jesus seated on high saying, I'm looking at this church. You have fallen into a place of unhealthiness. You've fallen into a place of brokenness. If you do not repent, if you do not turn from these things, I will remove my life from you. Imagine Jesus had to stand up here to us as a church, and it's very possible, and say, repent, or I remove my life from you. That's not the Jesus we know, eh? Many of us. Like, that doesn't sound like love, but actually it is. It's love and holiness coming together. To the, to the um, church in, uh, in, the, in Corinth, the Corinthian church, Paul actually, when he wrote to that church, he says, when you come together, your meetings do more harm than they do good. That hurts. That's a hurting church. If an apostle had to come into a church and say, rather don't meet, don't come together. I know you're calling yourself a church. I know people know you as a church. But actually, if you come together, you're doing harm. So Mac always says, say ouch. <laughs> Just say ouch with me. That's like, it's an ouch, eh? It's bad. And so you need to be gr- grounded theologically to know that just as there are unhealthy people, just as there are unhealthy friendship groups, there's something that is unhealthy church. And I fear that many people sitting here, many people in Stellenbosch, many people in South Africa and across the world have gotten hurt by unhealthy churches. Am I saying we're perfect? Yes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that, but I'm saying that deep, some of you sitting here tonight have seen something of the ugly underbelly of the church. You've seen finances being distorted. I've, I've spoken to people in Stellenbosch that have come to me that have left churches because they've, they've seen finances being misused within church. Some of you have seen leaders falling apart, divorce happening when those things happen. Some of you have seen, um, have seen churches falling into bad theology, hyper-grace, hyper-Calvinism, hyper-whatever. And, and you've, you've seen the devastation that that causes in churches. Some of you, there's a church in Stellenbosch where some of the pastors sued each other. It was lawsuits amongst the pastors. That's a hurting church. And some of you have been a part of those churches. 
Some of you have seen leaders who loved God for many years fall away from the faith, leave church altogether. Some even turn to atheism. Some of you have been in positions where leaders have abused you or you've seen abuse taking place within the church. And I'll tell a story. When I just got saved, the church that I was in, I got hurt by the fact that they did not want me to get baptized. And, and I saw it as a clear scriptural principle, but there was a, a, an argument amongst the leaders of whether I'm allowed or permitted to be baptized. And so many of you, that was my story, but many of you sit here with stories of hurting churches that actually hurt you. And I can't look into your hearts. I don't know what's going on. But I want to start by saying, actually tonight, what human beings tend to do is when something hurts, we run away. When I don't like it, I get away from it. It's like this fight or flight instinct within us. And when leaders start hurting and when that influences us, it's really difficult to fight. How do you fight against the church? So many of us, instead of fighting, there's the flight instinct that kicks in and we run away. And these are quotes I've often quoted in church and I I say that abuse should not lead to no use, but it should lead to right use. And my fear is that some people, maybe I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but I think even some of you sitting here have experienced hurt, and there's something of a temptation in you to say, I want to run. I want to run. I don't want to give my heart completely. I don't want to give myself completely to this thing called church because it actually hurts. Listen, no use is not the answer to misuse. Right use is the answer. And I want to take it a bit further, and I want to prod you that if you've, some of you might not have experienced hurt. Listen, at some point in your life, you are going to experience a little bit of hurt in church. Amen? <laughs> Those of you who have, I, I might do it. I said on Friday, I had three coffees with people who had farkies on larki met my, and I had that. I might offend you. I might not mean it, but I might offend you through my leadership, through my decisions. I might actually do it, but to say, if you're sitting here, if you're hurting, or even if you're not, I want to take a bold step actually tonight and say, that that I just mentioned, that's bad. Like really hurting unhealthy churches, that's bad. But even within a healthy church, it's a big statement. Church as it's designed to be, even when it's healthy, it should hurt. Church should hurt. And I know that's a big statement, actually. Not in the way that I mentioned. I'm not speaking about those churches. I think there are valid reasons to leave churches. I think some of you sitting here have, have left for valid reasons. And if we fall into some of those things, it's going to be a valid reason for you to leave us, run for the hills if some of those things happen. I'm not speaking about that. I'm going to qualify what I say. But actually, even a healthy church, to an extent, should hurt you. Okay. You call that a pregnant pause. It's like a, it's for effect. <laughs> okay. So for some of you, that sounds strange because you would say, if God loves me, how can he want to hurt me? And I, I use hurt and in inverted commas. How can he want to bring difficulty along my path? Even within the church, how can he want to do, do that to me? And I want to flip that statement around and say, because God loves you, he will hurt you. He will. He loves you so much that he won't leave you the way that you are, but he will come into your space, offend you, make things difficult for you so that he can make you more like himself and so that you can have a healthier relationship with him. So let's start by grounding this theologically. I want to say, I want to show you out of the Bible, because this is not a Leonard idea, I need to hide behind scripture, that God is in the business of offending you. Okay? (laughs) I do it. Just trying to be like Jesus, people. No, but honestly, 
God is in the business of actually offending you. He will come into your space. He will bring hurt across your path, many times in the form of offense. Let's read uh, John 6, verse 54 to 56. I believe that you've got it in the ESV, so I can read from here. Is it ESV, Kuponam? Thanks. This is Jesus speaking. And uh, anyway, Jesus says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. That sounds dodgy, eh? It sounds like people call Josh Chen a sect. We are. But that sounds sort of, sort of, we sort of. But that sounds quite dodgy. Jesus is saying this, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Jesus is saying, partake of me, but the people don't understand this. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. When many of Jesus' disciples heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? In a sense, they were shocked by what Jesus is saying here. But Jesus knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to him, listen here, do you take offense at this? Jesus did something. He said something. He came into people's space knowing that he was going to offend them. Many of us, that's not the God that we know. God will only do what's nice for us. It will be the happy-go-lucky God. Everything should work fine because it's, it's love. But actually, here we see Jesus and I think some of us have a, have a wrong understanding of him coming and actually bringing offense across his disciples' path. Not unbelievers, it says his disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus is going to do this in your life at some point. So you need to ground it theologically. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So let's look at this example quickly and see that what Jesus did is he came into his disciples' lives and he offended them. Why? Because in a sense, he wanted to bring them closer. But in, in offending someone, what he actually did is he came to a place of making it so uncomfortable for them that they had to decide, will I run or will I move closer? Many ran. Some said, Jesus, you've got the words of life, eternal life. Where else can I go? And they pulled closer to him. Now, God wants to bring those moments into your life, those moments of difficulties. I loved Rian's word tonight. God even wants to bring times of winter across your life, difficult seasons. What he wants is in those times that you would say, God, I pull closer to you in those times. He'll even come and he'll make things difficult. You'll read something in the Bible and you'll say, this does not make sense. But what he wants you to do is pull close, not run away. Um, I don't, did you put the quotes on, Kupano? Okay. Listen to this quote of um, Charles Adams Spurgeon. I, I love the guy. He's got amazing things that he says. He says, do not try to make the gospel tasteful to carnal minds. Do not hide the offense of the cross, lest you make it of no effect. Charles, Haddon's, uh, Charles Spurgeon understood something, that the message of the gospel, the message of the cross, the message of Jesus is something that when you, lim when you measure it up with your life, when it comes into your life, it will offend you. It will be difficult because there are parts of you, if you're humble enough to admit it, that are not like Jesus yet and that offend Jesus. And so he's going to come and say, no, 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 I've got a different standard. He will come into your life. If you're not experiencing that, if you're not experiencing that conviction, man, you need to draw close to him and say, God, come and convict me. 
for some even here tonight, maybe you've never experienced that. You've never given your life to Jesus. I'm going to tell you, the gospel is, is offensive, actually. It says that you are a sinner, and you're in need of a Savior. And if you don't turn to Him, you will not receive eternal life, but you will receive eternal damnation. That's offensive. But because of His love, if you don't know Him, even tonight, He's coming into your life, and He's bringing a fence across your path, saying, if you don't follow me, you will not live with me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nothing else but me. That's what Jesus is saying to you tonight. So you're following me. God offends, amen? Amen. I didn't hear that, amen. God offends, amen? He does it, okay. Out of the Bible, we see it, and he offends so that you will pull closer to him and, and in a sense, fold, put down your cards and say, okay, God, your way, not my way. That's what he wants of you. Now, God uses various ways to offend And one of the ways that he will use to bring difficulty across your path is actually through the church. And we've spoken about the bad type of church hurt. I'm not for that. But there's there's a type of church hurt called offense that God is going to bring across many of your paths. And I want to say when we we use it as we should use it, it's a a beautiful thing. I'm going to show you how this actually happens in the church. Galatians 2 verse 11 to 14. For a little bit of context, my hero in the Bible, Peter again messes up here. That's why I like him, because he messed up so many times, but God still used him. I feel like, whew, all right, I can, I can do it. If Peter can do it, I can do it. But Peter here messed up again, because um, although God saved them from the law, he said Gentiles can come and they can become believers, they can become Christians. You're not under the law anymore. You don't have to follow the things of the, the Old Testament law. Um, you, you, you're not under the law, but you're under grace somehow Peter started falling back into the law and he did not want to eat with, uh, anyway, he's, the food, the ways that he ate food, he reverted back to the way that he was actually called out of. And Paul, being Paul, Paul is not afraid to offend. The next, ap- the next thing happened. So let's read from verse 11. But when, Cephas is, is Peter's other name, when Peter came to Antioch, I, Paul, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself. So he's not eating with the Gentiles, he sits with the Jews only, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. His sin pulled others into sin. So that even Barnabas, an apostle, was led astray by their hypocrisy. And listen to Paul. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before all of them, and listen, Paul had no tact. He could have said it privately. He could have gone like, Peter, can I go for a coffee with you? (laughs) You know, in Joshua, that's code word for we need to talk. There's something wrong here. He could have said that. He has no tact in front of others. Paul comes into Peter's life and he says there's an area that is not as it should be. And then he says, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? I promise you Peter was offended in that moment. I promise you it was a difficult moment. But that difficult moment was warranted because there was an area in his life that he was slipping away from where God had called him to. And so what does God need? What does God do? He sends people to bring offense, to bring difficulty across Peter's life. Listen, if you haven't experienced something like that in church, I want to say I don't think you're close enough. You're not close enough. 
you should experience difficulty in the life of the church. Um, what I've also, th- what I think is, I think many of us don't like that. We don't like difficulty within the church. We don't like conflict. I, I know, I've, I'm not a fan of conflict. And what we do is, because we try and avoid it, we actually miss some of the processes of God in our lives. And so although we may be here in flesh, we're not, we don't give ourselves as fully as we should. We don't integrate into the life as fully as we should. And that's for those who are part of this church. I think there's some people who are not into, in a church for various reasons. One of the reasons, I think, because uh, it's uncomfortable. Because when I get close, there's going to be challenges. The Bible says, Aster sleep Aster, iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. And so it's, it's uncomfortable being in church and really being in church. Because, you know, church is not only what we're doing here, eh? Church is not Sunday. Church is not Wednesday. Church is relationship. And I, I fear that there's people who are drawing away from relationship because they're afraid of those difficult moments. I think there are some people who are in churches, and uh, they, they, what I call, um, no, I'm gonna, no, I don't want to offend anyone, so I won't say it, but, they, but they, they hide away in a sense. They're there, but they're not there. And I want to say that's not the way of Jesus for us. If you're there, you should be fully there, even though it's uncomfortable. You should know the people. The people should you know, know you, warts and all. If you don't know my flaws, it's because you're not standing close enough. So I know I'm beautiful from far, but I'm far from beautiful. <laughs> Just come a little bit closer and you'll see all the imperfections. You know, we used to tease at school. We used to say, anyway, we used to say that. <laughs> if you look at a girl, yes, it's mooi. Yes, it's mooi van fair, maar fair van mooi. You just don't know. When you come closer, when you come really close to a person, you start seeing the, I don't know who to go to. You start seeing the imperfections. Nick, I can go to you. You look beautiful, though, because you've cut your hair and everything. You look so good. But when you start coming close to someone, you start seeing the imperfections. I want to say, don't allow hurt from the past or uncomfortability to get you to a place of not coming close to people, not bringing your life into church and into church fully or joining a church where there's not real relationship, but it's Sunday Christianity. Sunday Christianity is far from the Christianity that I see in the Bible. Christianity that I see in the Bible is where we come close where we get to know each other, where we spend time with each other. Actually, the Bible says daily, in a sense. That's our aim, that we would live in each other's homes, that we would know each other, that we would eat together, pray together, laugh together, worship together, speak about nonsense together, just be together, so that we get to know every area of each other's lives. And when we do that, offense will come. Offense will come. But what offense is, it's like a megaphone to say, here's an area that God wants to come into. So I want to challenge you tonight, when you come close and when you start feeling difficulty within church, when that difficulty comes, look into your heart and say, God, what are you trying to do in me? Now, I'm not saying don't speak to that person. Yes, sort out your offense, but don't just sort it out and move on. Say, God, what is it? What is it in me? Let it be like a red flag to go up to say, God, church is hurting at the moment. Why is it hurting? What part of me is not how you want it, and what can I change? Let it be God's megaphone. Now, we tend, when the difficulty comes, we tend to run away. My wife, Carla, she, uh, she does not like maths. Big, big reason she doesn't like maths is, what grade were you in, Carla? What standard? 
doesn't, don't know. But one of her teachers looked at her maths book and said, this is horrible, and he threw it out of the window, on the second, out of the second story window. But when, when that happens, we don't quit school. Why? Because we believe in school. But when difficulty comes in church, what do we do? Many times we pull out. We pull our hearts away. We say, this is not for me. Come on, guys. It's, 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 it might not look like it's for you, but it's, if God says it's for you, it is for you. God hasn't created you to be a lone ranger Christian. Your relationship with him can never only be vertical. It needs to be horizontal as well, or else it's not a healthy relationship with him. Both areas are needed. So don't pull away. I'm going to end with, um, with another quote by Spurgeon, and then we'll pray. <clears throat> Spurgeon said this, Israel gained by education. The Lord was not going to lead a mob of slaves into Canaan. I want to say God will not leave you as a slave. He's not going to leave you in the, in, the, in the past ways that you once lived in to go and behave like slaves there. They had to be tutored. The wilderness, the difficult time that God took them through was the Oxford and the Cambridge and the Stellenbosch University for God's students. There they went to the university and he taught and trained them and they took their degree before they entered into the promised land. There is no university for a Christian like that of sorrow and trial and I want to say of offense. (laughs) There's no university like that. No university. Do not run from difficulty within relationships. Do not run from offense within church. When everything in you says run, say, no, 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 I'm going to run towards, not run away from. Amen? Let's stand.